Hello and welcome to the Sky U Podcast. <clears throat> this is not your host, Chris Goeyufer. He is out sick tonight. Uh, we're also missing Street, who is uh, evidently staring into an ocean. Um, so, you know, we all react to Illinois losses different ways, but, uh, you know, we're all respect to him. Uh, so this is Blake. I'm also joined by Andy, GopherGuy05. Hello, hello. <clears throat> so here we are. Less than a week removed from uh, another stunning loss of the season. First, there's Bowling Green. Now we've got uh, 2.0 to Illinois. Andy, uh, now that you're a little, now that we're safely removed from the game, um, how are you feeling about that loss? Uh, apparently, we just really hate the color orange. I mean, that's the only thing I can understand is is uh, both, obviously, Bowling Green and Illinois have, have orange as a large component in their jerseys. But yeah, no, that was uh, that, w- that was pretty bad. Um, you know, Street and I recorded a great takes and, uh, it actually got censored by the FCC, so we couldn't release it because there were a lot of four letter words, uh, not, not quite the case. We had audio issues, but, um, yeah, there were, there were a lot of, a lot of four letter words. Um, I mean, what a just absolute pathetic performance by the Gopher offense. Just, I mean, mind blowingly bad. Um, and the defense, after stinking it up for the first 10 minutes of the game, ended up turning around and only giving up 14 points, which is what they need to do. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you can't you can't play offense that badly, um, you know. And believe it or not, the Gophers still control their destiny in the Big Ten West, but it gets a hell of a lot harder, uh, as we'll get into, starting this week. Well, I think one thing Zips talked about on Twitter was after they went down 14-0, like you just kind of knew and cause, i mean they, it was literally they scored the first two drives and the defense shut them out the rest of the way and i don't i don't feel like the gophers ever really threatened uh just i mean they didn't score until what the last like four minutes left in the game um and yeah i just it's one thing to have you know one bowling green loss in the season i think and we were all kind of hoping that, that that had been a wake-up call and they put that behind them and then but just to come out after the week that they had too, you know, they had flex contract extension. They, you know, made the top 25 in the college football rankings. They were alone atop the big 10 West. Like they literally had everything going for them and just in what most people would describe as typical gopher fashion, just face planted um, against a team they really should have beat. And the fact that it came against Brett Bielema too, and he's still undefeated against Minnesota, which just it drives me insane. But uh I don't know. How do you how are you feeling about the rest of these final three games now that you have now that we have the Illinois loss behind us? Does that change your expectations the rest of the season, or what do you think uh, we're in for these next three weeks? I mean, I mean, frankly, we we always knew that the specifically the Iowa game and the Wisconsin game were just going to be, you know, offensive slap fights. I mean, the, the 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 defenses that those two teams have, and and honestly, that Minnesota has had for the vast majority of this season have been dominating games. And so, you know, at least prior to last week, you thought you maybe held out some hope that maybe the Gophers would come up with an offensive uh, game plan that might, you know, be able to not just be completely flaccid against those defenses. Now it's, it's, it's a lot more of a concern. I mean, I don't necessarily think that, you know, Iowa's offense is going to run up 40 points on the Gophers, but the Gophers got to be able to score some points if they're going to try and win this game. And frankly, after watching them go against Illinois' defense, it does not exactly give confidence against Iowa and Wisconsin, with Indiana just being a random toss-up in the middle there, which could go either way. So, um, 
yeah, you know, it, it, it's kind of alarming and it's, it doesn't really feel good. And, and the worst part about it is and not that, you know, you really expected anything different, but in, in all the press, uh, opportunities that both PJ Fleck and Mike Sanford have had this week. It's not like you're hearing anything that really gives you any confidence going into this week. It's pretty much the, yeah, well, we weren't really ready and that's on us. And, you know, we just really didn't get into a rhythm and that was the biggest problem, not the game plan. And it's like, no, it was, it was a game plan. It was a game plan, Mike. Um, the fact that you're running long, passing routes when you need five six seven yards and you don't have a receiver within four yards of the stick before tanner morgan's trying to run for his life that that's that's not getting tanner into a rhythm that's that's horrible play calling so um yeah hopefully they they get that cleaned up before uh before saturday but uh no my my confidence level on that is is not real high at the moment Oh, and the thing that's so frustrating to me is if you look back on their on their games this year, if they don't get a hot start offensively, they're they're toast. I mean, they, this is not a this is not a team that you know. If it nothing worked in the first half, you're gonna you can trust they adjust at halftime and figure things out. Like every game they've had, like, where they've scored a lot of points, they scored a lot of points first half and just kept doing what they're doing in the second half. There's just no, there seems there seems to be this inability to adjust during the games, particularly on the offensive side of the ball by Mike Sanford. I mean, you look at the defense, the way they figured things out against Illinois, they struggled early, then figured things out. The offense just struggled the whole game. And then on their second to last drive, finally decided to, you know, get the short intermediate passing game going, which look at that. We led to a touchdown, even though that they needed fourth down at the one yard line to get that through. So, um, Yes. Speaking of offensive uh, ineptitude, this is a great transition to um, our Iowa preview because we're witnessing a Titanic showdown between uh, Iowa offensive coordinator Brian Ferentz and Minnesota offensive coordinator Mike Sanford to see who can put together the worst offensive game plan. Um, I really, I mean, we know Brian looks forward to this game every year. He always has, they script the first several drives because he just seems to have save all of his best, best shots for the Minnesota game for whatever reason. Um, so I'll be curious to see how they start on offense. Um, we will have a new, we will see a relatively new quarterback uh, for Iowa, Alex Padilla, their, their starter last year. And to begin this year, Spencer Petras. Um, but in their two losses to Purdue and Wisconsin, he completed only 50% of his passes and threw four interceptions. So as you can imagine, they weren't too pleased about that. He only, he only lasted four pass attempts against Northwestern last week before they pulled him. And reportedly he has a, <clears throat> excuse me, reportedly he has an injured shoulder um, that is keeping him out of the game. So we'll see Alex Padilla, the sophomore quarterback who last week on I mean, his first action went was 18, 28 for 172 passing yards, um, led two touchdown drives as soon as he got into the game, but then rest of the way was quiet. But, uh, but yeah, this is not a, a very effective Iowa offense, I would say. And I say that now, of course, I'm sure they'll, you know, what it put up 20 points in the first half on Saturday, but, um, unusually so their, uh, offensive line has been a problem, even though they have, an All-American at center and Tyler Linderbaum. Um, they just haven't been great at, at run blocking. Um, they rank 110th nationally in rushing offense. They have a pretty good running back in Tyler Goodson, but he's only rushed for 100, 100 yards twice in the season. That's once against Kent State, once against Northwestern. So that's a surprise to see because you know Iowa really wants to run the football. Um, but the offensive line has also struggled in pass protection too. Um, they've, uh, gave up, they gave up a combined 10 sacks in their two losses to Purdue and Wisconsin, and they're averaging about three sacks allowed per game. 
Um, so really struggling to protect the quarterback. They do have a fairly decent receiving core. Um, they, you know, they have seven different players that have had at least one receiving touchdown this season. Um, so they spread it out a little bit, but a lot of it's just possession receivers, guys trying to dink and dunk their way down the field. I mean, their leading receiver is a tight end named Sam Laporta. And he leads the team to receptions and receiving yards. So it's not an explosive passing game by any means. Um, but I mean, if you give them room, um, they'll inch, take the, take an inch and inch and inch and eventually get to the end zone. So Andy, what concerns you most about this Iowa offense? If there is something to be concerned about? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the main, the main concern I think we, we both have is that, as you said, for whatever reason, this is, this is Brian Ferentz's Super Bowl every year. He hates PJ Fleck with the passion of a thousand sons. And so if there's anything creative in this Iowa offensive bag, they're going to find it and they're going to pull it out against the Gophers. Um, you know, so I think PJ Fleck and, and Joe Rossi have to be ready for just about anything. Uh, as you said, you know, their, their typical vaunted rushing offense hasn't been that good. The Gophers did a okay job shutting down the run late uh, against Illinois, uh, but they still let Brown run for, you know, quite a bit in the first half. And, and Tyler Goodson has that ability. If, if Minnesota can't, can't stop the run, there's no reason why Tyler Goodson can't average four or five yards a carry in the first couple of quarters. And like you said, before you know it, you're down 14, nothing again, and good luck clawing back from that. Um, you know, I, I, I have less worries on, on the passing game, but, um, you know, I think watching those, those linebackers from Minnesota against the Iowa tight end will be, it will be a key matchup. Uh, we've seen, uh, other teams against Minnesota slip out tight ends, whether it be on on tight end screens or or things like that, where they've gotten good twenty yard chunks of of offense. And so, um, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be key for the Gophers to go up and basically go toe to toe with them and and you know keep things tight. Uh, I mean, to be brutally honest, the the pressure is pretty much on Iowa in this game. So the closer, the longer that Minnesota can keep this a tie game or a low scoring seven three game, I think is it benefits them. Uh, Iowa's the one that's definitely going to be feeling the pressure at home. You know, you're you're at Kinnick where the Gophers haven't won since 1999. Um, you know, the the over under right now is only 37 and a half, so nobody has any expectations that this is going to be an offensive shootout. Um, so you just got to go in there and hold your serve on defense, and and if this ends up being an, an ugly, you know, thirteen to ten game, so be it. You just are going to have to figure out some way where you can you can hold the Iowa defense in check and and see if you can squeeze out some points. Uh, I think we're both in agreement that turnovers are going to be absolutely huge in this game. Uh, as you'll probably explain a little bit about the Iowa defense, they live off the turnover. And so protecting the ball, not fumbling, not having Tanner Morgan throw horrible passes for interceptions is going to be a massive, massive key on Saturday. Yes, looking at the <clears throat> excuse me, looking at the Iowa defense, I'm already anticipating a minimum of two interceptions for Tanner Morgan. Um, I mean, Iowa's had just a staggering number of interceptions. I think 19 in nine games, which is a tops in the Big Ten, probably the tops in the country, I would imagine. Um, and there's obviously a bit of luck involved in that, but this is also a veteran secondary that's just rarely out of position. Um, they've got two senior quarterbacks. Matt Hankins has three interceptions. They're actually getting uh, Riley Moss back this weekend. He's our other senior quarterback who has four interceptions and two pick sixes this season. He's He's been out since suffering a knee sprain against Penn State, but this is, of course, uh, 
good, great timing. He's making his return this week. Um, they also have a, a senior safety named Jack Corner. He's got two interceptions. Um, they're Dane Belton, who's kind of their slot corner. They call it the cash position, the hybrid linebacker defensive back position. He's also tied with Riley Moss for the team lead in four interceptions. So really, anywhere you throw the ball, there's a guy that's just threatening to take it away from you. So, um, And really, just across this defense, I am... I struggle to see where the advantage is for Minnesota. I mean, this is just an elite defense. Uh, they're top 10 in rushing defense. Uh, passing defense, a little bit looser. They're, they're ranked 38th in passing defense. They allow, allow about 200 passing yards per game. Um, but they're also fifth in scoring defense, averaging about 15.7 points allowed per game. So um, looking at the, the matchup between Minnesota and Iowa, you just, you know, Minnesota under Mike Sanford just wants to run the ball and where they really struggle is when they can't run the ball and he's going to force to do something else. I have to imagine Iowa is going to stack that box and dare Tanner Morgan to try his luck uh, with their secondary. Um, and I, I mean, I just don't see how barring some huge creative game plan for Minnesota, I really struggle to see them putting much points against this offense. Um, where do you see them having much success? Is there any vulnerabilities on this defense, Andy, that you think they might be able to exploit, or are we hoping for a miracle here? I mean, honestly, I mean, if you if you've looked at the last little bit, no. I mean, it's it's going to have to take an incredibly creative game plan from Mike Sanford, and <laughs> to be brutally honest, I don't think we've seen that yet this year. Maybe maybe Purdue a little bit, um, but for the most part, no. We we haven't really seen that. Uh, as you said, you know, Iowa has a really good run defense, and they are, you're exactly right, they are opportunistic in the secondary, and they would love nothing more than to basically say, all right, we'll throw eight in the box, Tanner Morgan, you beat us. And you try not to make a mistake, and you try not to throw a bad ball, because if you throw a bad ball, we're going we're gonna to take it away from you. Um, I, I think Iowa would love to play that game, and, and so it's going to take some big-time creativity from, from Sanford and company uh, to try and figure that out. Is that a possibility? Sure. I mean, weirder things have happened. Um, but as we said, ball control is going to be absolutely massive. Um, if, if the Gophers are going to win this game, we're probably going to have to have 2019 Tanner Morgan levels of, of accuracy and completion. Uh, 2020 and 2021 Tanner Morgan probably isn't going to cut it. And uh, if that's the case, my guess is uh, Floyd spending another long year in Iowa City. And I mean, not even 2019 Tanner Morgan could beat them in 2019. So yeah, I mean, six straight losses to Iowa. I, I wish I felt more confident in this and that they could win this game just because I hate when I hate Iowa and man, losing seven straight to them. I mean, they were well on our way to another embarrassing losing streak to a rival. So, but we'll get, we'll get into predictions later. <clears throat> Let's turn the page a little bit here. Some happy news. Ben Johnson is undefeated. He got his first win as Minnesota's uh, head basketball coach. They beat Kansas city 71 56. Um, I did not watch the game. I don't know anything about basketball besides the basics. Andy, do we able to watch the game or do you have any thoughts just from the highlights or anything like that? Yeah, I, I was not uh, also able to watch the game. Thank you. BTN plus, but, uh, you know, I caught the gist on Twitter. Um, it, it looked like basically, you know, this team, they, they don't have a ton of talent. I mean, let's be honest. This team is going to struggle when it comes to playing teams in the Big Ten that have much more talent than them. But they got some heart. Uh, you know, they got in a little bit of trouble uh, midway through the second half, and they battled back, ended, uh, ended the game on a 17-4 run. Um, you know, it, and 
they've got some some kids. Jamison Battle, the uh, the George Washington transfer, Minnesota native, led the way with eighteen points. Um, you know he's he's got some he's got some move. He can drive. He can hit hit from beyond the arc. Uh, Peyton Willis, you know, in his first game at at point guard, uh, you know, six assists, three turnovers. It's a two to one ratio. You pretty much would would take that from him. Um, you know, and and then EJ Stevens with thirteen points as well. Uh, you know, the the Gophers shot uh. 46% from the game, which is good enough to keep them in the game against Kansas City. They're going to need to bring those numbers up if they're going to compete in the Big Ten. But, um, you know, all in all, it's a, it's a good first win. Um, you know, the the deck is going to be stacked against them, but these are the games you got to take advantage of um, and you got to outplay it. I mean, Minnesota, even with their, their motley crew of transfers or whatever, should have more talent than a Kansas City should. Um, you know, we're going to have several other non-conference games at the barn where Minnesota should take advantage. Um, and they did that, you know, to open up the season, uh, as we'll get to in a little bit, the women, not so much, but, uh, you know, it's a good first win. And and now they get a test going to their, uh, you know, their Asheville championship event this weekend out in Asheville, North Carolina, they get uh, Western Kentucky 5:30 on Friday on ESPNU. And then, depending upon how that game goes, we'll get either South Carolina or Princeton on Sunday. Um, you know, obviously, I don't know much about Western Kentucky. South Carolina, in theory, you're looking at a, at a better Power 5 team. And Princeton's a tough Ivy League team. So, uh, you know, my guess is all three of these teams are probably going to be a step up from, from Kansas City. Um, and we'll get a better idea of just where this team might be. And, you know, credit where credit is due. They want to know, which is more than what Nebraska's men's basketball team can say. I mean, they lost 75-74 to Western Illinois. Um, so, you know, there may be a little competition at the bottom of the Big Ten this year. It, it may not be for certain that Minnesota finishes last, but I think to your point, too, we'll kind of figure out how good or if this team is any good as we go here. I think it's going to be kind of a game-to-game thing just to see hopefully if this team can improve, see what their, see what their ceiling is, see what their floor is. So... Yeah, it'd be interesting to watch the season unfold with them. Um, so they got the season off to a good start. I can't quite say the same for the women's basketball team who lost to Jacksonville, uh, sixty-nine to sixty-six. Um, Andy, your thoughts on this game? Yeah, this one was bad. I was listening to this one uh, in the car. Uh, Justin Guard, shout out to JG. I know he occasionally listens. Uh, with uh, with a good job, is his first job is the uh, the new play by play voice of the Gopher women's basketball team. Uh, yeah, I mean, what what can you say? Uh, year four of Lindsey Whalen, and they're still making the same mistakes. Uh, this team, as if you've listened to our podcast before, you saw our, this team is a horrible fourth quarter team, and I you would think that. Lindsey Whalen would have somehow figured this out by now. They can't hold leads. The Gophers had a five-point lead after the third quarter and were outscored 24-16 to in the fourth quarter. You can't lose at home to a team that went 4-16 and in the Atlantic Sun a year ago. You just can't. This is unacceptable. And and the problem comes down to the the way the Gophers play. They don't have any threats in the paint anything in the paint is there to take up space and occasionally get a rebound the gophers are basically led by a three-guard offense sarah scalia jasmine paul 
and uh, either Deja Winters, who who actually had a pretty good game in her first game at Minnesota after after grad transferring in from North Carolina A and T. Um, Scalia led the way with twenty five points, um, but the team as a team they only shot thirty four percent from the field. That's not going to cut it. Uh, they had 19 turnovers, seven in the fourth quarter, and you're getting turnovers from your best two guards. Paul and Scalia were throwing the ball away in the fourth quarter. That can't happen. I mean, it, it just can't. I, I know that they're only one game into the season, but in your mind, how hot is Lindsey Will and C right now? Well, one of the reasons why it's not that hot is uh, Wednesday was National Signing Day, and the Gopher women's team uh, signed their highest-ranked recruiting class in school history. Uh, Wayland's four-player recruiting class, all from the Twin Cities suburbs. Uh, depending upon where you look, if you look at the Junior All-Stars, which is a, one of the ranking systems that ranks women's college basketball players, they have the Gophers as the fourth-best class in the nation. ESPN has Minnesota's class as the seventh-best class in the nation. Um, you've got, you know, a couple of guards, uh, Mara Braun from, uh, Wyzetta is right about on average upper twenties, low thirties ranked guard in the nation. Uh, Amaya battle from Hopkins, the first Hopkins recruit that the Gopher women have gotten in God knows how long, um, which when Hopkins is in and out the best program for high school basketball in the state, you might want to try and get some of their players, um, Mel, your hire is a, is a 6-1 forward from Chaska, and then uh, Nia Holloway from Eden Prairie. So Lindsey Whalen got four in-state players, basically in-state players, two, three, four, and five. Number one player uh, was Maya Najee, uh, and she went to Arizona following her brother Zeke, uh, who went there. Uh, she she decided to stay, not stay in state and head out. But uh, Lindsey Whalen got the two, three, four, and five best players in the state of Minnesota. They equaled a top 10 national recruiting class. So now we just have to see them turn this recruiting talent into playing talent. I mean, unfortunately these four girls aren't going to see the fall floor till next fall, but you've got to get them now ready for college basketball. And that's the one thing I don't think we've necessarily seen yet from Lindsay Whalen is, is the, the player improvement, the improvement, you know, Sarah Scalia was a decent recruit and Jasmine Russell was a decent recruit. They've got a couple other uh, high uh, Alana Smith. Uh, the is a five star player out of Ohio. Uh, Caddy Sissoko is a five star player who they got transferring from Syracuse. Neither one of them have lived up to that five star hype on the court as of yet. And so that's the one thing we haven't seen yet is can Lindsey Whalen take this talent and mold this talent and turn it into a team that can compete on the floor? Um, you know, getting off to a, a really bad start with a loss at home to Jacksonville is, is not a good way to kick off your fourth season. And unfortunately, if you read our season, my season preview I read earlier, that was supposed to be the easy game. The Gophers have the hardest schedule in the Big Ten this year. Um, they started off with Jacksonville, which should have been an easy win. They play at Arizona State Friday night. Uh, and they come home for a, a couple of quick games against Washington, D.C. teams, George Washington and American. And then they go to the women's battle for Atlantis down in the Bahamas. They they play a school. UConn, are they any good at women's basketball? I, I haven't heard their name recently. <laughs> Just a little bit. Logan. Just a little bit. You know, so it's like, um, you know, they've got North Carolina on the schedule. And then we get to the Big Ten. I think I think reading the, the Gophers schedule, 
Uh, they have something like 13 teams on their schedule that played in the NCAA tournament last year, and the and their opponents' winning percentage is like 575. Um, you know, obviously things can change, as we saw a Jacksonville team that went 4-16 and get a big non-conference win over the Gophers. Uh, but, yeah, the, the fact that they struggled in their home opener, um, this team's going to live or die on, on shooting from range. If they have a good game shooting from behind the arc, they can probably compete with almost anybody. If they're ice cold from behind the arc, there's going to be a lot of long, long games in this team's future. So uh, long story short, um, yes, if the Gophers do continue to struggle, the the hot seat for Lindsey Whalen should definitely start to be picked up. Um, But if you look at her conference peers, uh, Wisconsin fired their women's basketball coach last year. He got five years. Uh, Mark Coyle is not going to fire a Minnesota legend after four years, especially with this recruiting class. So Whalen will be here at least one more year uh, to try and take these these highly talented players and turn them into something that can compete on the court. All right, so keep your eyes on Lindsey Wellen's squad, see if they can improve, and hopefully next year capitalize on their recruiting class. But, uh, yeah, both both basketball teams worth keeping an eye on, see how, see how good they are this year. The Sky U Podcast is proud to be sponsored by Homefield Apparel, the good brand. You've heard us talk before about how excited we were to get them as a sponsor, and we continue to be excited because as fall approaches, they have restocked their crew neck and hoodie sweatshirts. There's a Sweet Script uh, Minnesota sweatshirt out there right now waiting for you to pick one up. If you have not already shopped for the first time at Homefield Apparel, make sure to go to homefieldapparel.com and use code DAILYGOPHER at checkout for 15% off your order. It's not just uh, Minnesota gear. There are sweet stickers from all sorts of historic logos across NCAA. Uh, I have a Tulane Green Wave sticker that I've had my eye on that i got to go pick up. Uh, whatever it is, make sure to get over to homefieldapparel.com, find it for yourself, feel good in it, look good in it, and enjoy every moment with your new gear. That's homefieldapparel.com, code DAILYGOPHER. Switching gears a little bit, Minnesota football is not the only ones taking on the Hawkeyes this week. Volleyball faces Iowa on Thursday, and from what I understand, this is a team that's not on a six-game losing streak to the Hawkeyes. Is that correct, Andy? Yeah, you wanna you wanna talk about the the inverse? We said uh, you know Minnesota ha- hasn't won in in Kinnick since 1999. Uh, the Gophers have dominated the Iowa Hawkeyes in volleyball. Minnesota has not lost to Iowa in volleyball since 1995. They've won 45 straight matches against the Hawkeyes. God, I wish that was for football. Yeah, really? Oh, Isn't God. that amazing? <laughs> so, yeah, uh, the Gophers uh, Thursday night head to Iowa City. Uh, match at 6 o'clock on BTN+. Plus. Uh, the Gophers should absolutely destroy the Hawkeyes. Iowa fired their coach uh, earlier last week. They're 4-20 and 20 on the year, 2-12 uh, and 12 or something like that in the Big Ten. So they're, they're absolute hot garbage. It should be an incredibly easy win for the Gophers. Um, they are on a five-match winning streak, and they've knocked off, uh, you know, three top, 10 teams in that list. They beat Ohio State twice. They were number six when they beat them the first time, seven when they beat them the second time last week in in Columbus. Uh, They knocked off number six, Nebraska, at home. Uh, Last Saturday, they knocked off uh, Illinois. Hey, a gopher team that can beat Illinois uh, in the road on Champaign. 
And so this Iowa game should be easy, and then it sets up uh, what's going to be an epic finish. Uh, the Gophers will have five matches left starting Sunday. They host number nine, Purdue, at the barn. Um, and they still have to host uh, Wisconsin in a week and finish at Penn State, both ranked in Wisconsin number four, Penn State number 15. So uh, the Gophers have a really tough task down the stretch here, but if they can stay hot, uh, right now they're just one game back of Wisconsin-Nebraska for first place in the Big Ten. Uh, they moved up to number 11 in the NCAA RPI this week, uh, which is good. Top 16 usually means the top 16 seeds in the NCAA tournament, meaning the Gophers would be able to host the first and second round at the PAV, um, which is always your goal uh, for, a, for a power Big Ten team. So uh, the Gopher Volleyball team is in a pretty good position right now, and hopefully they can uh, close well their last uh, six games here down the stretch. Well, go Volleyball. That's where it's at this year. I hope, hope people continue to support them and check them out. Yeah, good luck on the, on the strong finish there. And uh, moving on to hockey, I understand they split with Wisconsin this weekend. Is that accurate? Yeah, the Gophers went into Madison this past weekend, uh, lost 4-3 Friday night in overtime and got a 4-1 win on Saturday. Uh, Saturday, the Gophers got a bit of a scare, went up 3-0 early in the first period when Jack LaFontaine uh, sort of had a uh, Wisconsin player sort of push his leg into the goalpost. Uh, he curled up and was in a lot of pain, had to be helped off the ice. Uh, with about five minutes left in the first period, and you could see every single Minnesota fan just go, oh, bleep, um, as basically right now Minnesota's backup goalie is Justin Close, who's uh, come in and played three portions of periods in his college career, um, is is not really equipped uh, to play significant time. Uh, Brennan Boynton, the gopher freshman, uh, who was supposed to be the backup goaltender, has missed most of the first month of the season with the various injuries and things like that. Luckily, LaFontaine made a, a miraculous recovery and came back to start the second period and played the rest of the game and played great in the Gophers' 4-1 win. So uh, Minnesota still leads. They're on top of the Big Ten. Uh, through the first two weeks of conference play, um, they get a six and two Ohio State team at Mariucci this weekend, uh, six thirty Friday, five o'clock Saturday. Both games on Bailey Sports North. Uh, the Buckeyes actually a little bit of a surprise. They were expected to finish dead last in in the Big Ten, and and they've been uh, they've been pretty good so far this season. So um, hopefully uh, Minnesota can continue to you know you'd love to basically get sweeps against these teams at home. Uh, they get Ohio State this weekend, Penn State next weekend, both at Mariucci. So, uh, you know, it's one of those things where uh, you'd love to see them take at least three of the next four games, and if you could go four for four before heading up to North Dakota uh, for a Thanksgiving weekend series in Grand Forks, everybody would be pretty happy with that, I think. we got to protect Jack LaFontaine at all costs because he's the only hockey player I can name at this point. So I, I don't, I don't want to learn another name. I just want to keep on Jack LaFontaine. It's just one of his names just fun to say. And he, by all accounts, seems to be a great goalie. So uh, just a quick, quick update on the women. Uh, they were off last week. Uh, they play a non-conference series at home this week against RIT Rochester Institute of technology, which I'm sure when this game was, the series was added to the schedule, RIT was actually a somewhat decent team. Uh, they're currently the worst team in, in women's college hockey in the country. Um, they are 0-12 this year. They got swept by St. Thomas, brand new to Division One. St. Thomas. Uh, the Colgate team that Minnesota went into Colgate's barn and, and swept on the road beat this RIT team 8-1 to and 13 to nothing uh, about a month ago. So uh, if the Gophers do not win both of these games by bare minimum five or six goals, 
we've got some issues. So uh, both those games at Ritter this weekend, um, I think, what is it? It's uh, 6 o'clock Friday night, 4 o'clock Saturday afternoon. Um, so if you want to see Minnesota have, in theory, what should be their uh, biggest offensive explosion of the year, uh, head down to Ritter this weekend. Famous last words, what should be their biggest offensive explosion of the year. That's just that's just never worked out in Minnesota's favor when you expect them to do well. So, But, you know, hopefully they take care of business. Um, that should about wrap up our preview of athletics this week. Moving on, unfortunately, to predictions for the Iowa game on Saturday. Andy, how optimistic are you feeling right now? So I will say there is a slight chance out there that at Mike Sanford has actually taken all this criticism to heart and is currently working up one incredible creative game plan. And in fact, College Football News sort of agrees with that. And, and they do point out that for whatever reason, the Gophers have been really good on the road this year. Um, I mean, they went into Colorado and, and blew out the Buffaloes, had no problem in Northwestern, looked good at Purdue. Um, you know, they've, they've made a much better road team than they have been a home team. In fact, they actually predict a 23-17 Minnesota win over the Hawkeyes. Uh, of course, their wow. confidence rating out of that is a 1.5 out of 5. So, um, but, I mean, they, they make some points. Iowa's offense is is putrid. Um, the Gopher offense, of course, has also been putrid. Um, but, you know, we've seen them turn around after a bad game. They went from Bowling Green to Purdue. That was good. Um, we've seen this before. But I just don't see it happening. Um as as we talked about, I think Iowa is is good enough, and they're gonna they're gonna stack the box, and they're gonna say, okay, run into this eight nine man box every time, and they're gonna make Tanner Morgan try and beat Iowa on second and eight, third and seven, and from everything we've seen this season, that generally doesn't go well. And so I'm gonna agree that it's gonna be just an absolute ugly slap fight, uh, but based off of a couple of turnovers that Iowa was turned into points. I think the Hawkeyes are going to probably pull this one out. I'm going to say 23 to 10. Yeah, I can't say I disagree. Um, you know, I, I, I'm like, I can see the pot. I can see the possibilities. I think it's possible that they, that I think it's, they have a chance that they can win this game, but the, the probability is extremely low in my mind. And there's just, there's just too many ifs that need to happen for them to win this game. Um, I think part of my prediction too is just kind of stealing myself um, for a loss because I just I hate the Hawkeyes. I don't want to get my hopes up that, that they're going to win. I'm just I get my hopes up and then they're going to lose seven straight, and I'm just going to be pissed all weekend. But I've got Iowa 21, Minnesota zero. I'm just going. It's just not happening for me. So zero, but, uh, you know, zero. You don't have them scoring any points. I've got zero. I just there's nothing about this matchup with their defense that bodes well with me and it's it's definitely recency bias after the the way they played against illinois the thing is illinois defense is really not that great um so for the as much as they struggled against them i can only imagine iowa's defensive coordinator is just chomping at the bit to line up against this offense and 
that's just more of a lack of faith in Mike Sanford. I just think uh, part of me hopes that if they do lose, it's it's a wake up call situation for Fleck where he sees these three performances by Mike Sanford and says, "Hey, maybe there's something here that I should fix." But uh, yeah, I'm going Iowa 21, Minnesota zero. But again, I'm part of that's just kind of stilling myself uh, against the loss. But uh, you know, that's why they play the games. We'll see what happens on Saturday. But uh, this is where we'll bid you adieu, and hopefully next week we'll have a full crew. But thanks for uh, if you made it this far, sticking it out with me and Andy. Uh, Brother Boat, Sky Ma, go Gophers.